Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And remember our Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out my ebooks, All I Needed to Know I Learned from Colombo, and All I Needed to Know I Learned from Dragnet. These uh, ebooks examine the careers and history of seven great fictional detectives and policemen and life lessons that can be drawn from them. They are available as ebooks and automobile books through Audible and the Apple Store. But now let's get into today's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date on this one? October the 3rd of 1946 and the title is The Mary Murder Case. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have tried to show in my brief lecture just how factual are the case histories on applied psychology contained in my newest book. Are there any questions? Mr. Mary? Oh, yes? Mr. Mary, if, as you say, the subconscious is the stronger of our two minds, why doesn't it dominate us most of the time? A very good question. In my opinion, the subconscious is held in check by a controlling band, a band that keeps it under the conscious mind. Were it possible to remove that controlling influence, I am of the opinion that the subconscious would dominate our motivations. Well, if there are no other questions, ladies and gentlemen, I have been informed I have a phone call in my office. Should any of you care to speak to me there, I assure you I shall be delighted. Thank you very much. Hello? This is Mr. Merry speaking. Uh, Mr. Merry, this is George Haworth. I represent the Justine Literary Club. Uh, would it be possible for you to speak to our members next Thursday? Next Thursday? Yes. Well, I intended to return to the coast. Oh? But I think I might be able to postpone my departure. Oh, just a minute. Just a minute. Uh, will you write me a letter, Mr. Haworth, uh, merely confirming our appointment? Oh, I'll be very glad to. Thank you, Mr. Merry. Not at all. Goodbye. Coming. Oh, it's you. I thought I saw you in my audience. I hardly expected the pleasure of a personal visit. Uh, come in. I hope you've come to tell me that you've forgotten the past. How would the French say it? Un de ces choses? One of those things? I'm glad you came to see me. I've been wanting to... Exp Why are you staring at me like that? Why don't you say something? What do you want? Oh, no. No! No! No? I think... Yes! Vance? 
Uh, Mr. Vance, I'm not disturbing you, am I? I could contribute to your ego, Miss Deering, by saying that you're quite disturbing to me. Mm. But I won't. At least, not during business hours. Uh, I'm not disturbing during business hours, or you won't say it during business hours? A combination of both, Miss Deering. You know, I believe I've reached the epitome of success as a private investigator. I'm so private that I haven't had an interesting or unusual client in a week. <laughs> doesn't seem to bother you much. It doesn't bother me at all. No, I rather like the ambition that gets me down to my office and the circumstances that do not force me to work when I get here. It guarantees my character and places no strain whatsoever on my mentality. Would it be too much for me to ask you to guarantee your character in your own office? After all, it's only through that door and I have some typing to do. Do I distract you, Miss Deering? Well, I could contribute to your ego, Mr. Vance, by saying that you're quite distracting. So I will. You're quite distracting. <laughs> now let me get to work. Miss Deering. Yes? Take a letter, please. A letter? Okay, I take uh, L for... Um, L for... Let me finish what I'm doing. Now let me see. Uh-uh. Take a look at the glass panel in the door. Hmm? You will not be at ease much longer, oh, serene sir. I seem to see a female profile. And I seem to hear a female knock. Hmm. Come in. Mr. Vance here. I'm Philo Vance. May I help you? Oh, yes, yes, if you only will, Mr. Vance. I... Oh, is there someplace we can talk alone? Oh, don't mind me. I only work here. Come into my office if you like. It's just through this door here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Not at all. Won't you have a seat? Yes, thank you. Mr. Vance, I'm Alice Barkley. And I've come to you because you're the only one who can help me, if, if anyone can. I assure you I'll try. Just give me an idea as to what you'd like me to do. I don't know. I don't know what anyone can do, Mr. Vance. I've just shot and killed a man. <laughs> I'm afraid you've come to the wrong office, Miss Barkley. You want the police, or perhaps that's vice versa. Oh, but you don't understand. I, I can't remember anything that happened to me. Except that two hours ago, I was standing over a man who'd been shot in the heart. And I had a gun in my hand. And the gun was still warm from being fired. You can't remember anything before that? Well, I, I went to a lecture on applied psychology this afternoon with friends. The lecturer was Joseph Mary. You've heard of him, of course. He's written books. Oh, yes. All I remember was that after the lecture, I was standing over his body. And, and he was dead. Hmm. What did you do with the gun? Well, I, I have it here. I put it in my purse and ran. It, it was only then that I realized I didn't know where I was running to. And so I walked and walked, and, and then I came here. But I, I can't remember anything else. Well, I'll do what I can to help you, Miss Barkley. Oh, but I'm pretty convinced that you'll be facing a murder charge unless you suddenly start remembering something. <gasps> Anderson, how do you think your husband looks in his new tuxedo? Pretty nifty, eh? Please. Please, darling, I, I'd, I'd like to lie down for a while. What's the trouble, Joan? You've come home rather late from the lecture and you're all upset. Here, Here, wait, sit down for a minute. Thank you. That's it. I'll get you a glass of water. Here, let, let me have your hat and your handbag. I'm so sorry. I, I guess I don't know what's come over me. Joan, your handbag's terribly heavy. What's in it? Well, you might as well look... Joan, it's my gun. Yes. 
What were you doing with my gun? And one of the bullets has been fired. Joe! Please, please, darling, I, I don't know. I don't remember. You don't remember? All I know is that I had to take it to the lecture. I don't... Don't ask me why. And I shot a man with it. You what? I shot Joseph Mary. The district attorney will see you now, Sergeant Heath. Go right in. Uh, thanks, Mary. Oh, how's his humor today? Very good, I'd say. And uh, don't change it, will you? <laughs> I'll try not to. Hi, Mr. Markham. Hi, what do I owe the honor of the homicide department's call? To this, D.A., you've always been griping about the cases I hand you. There's always something missing, you always say, right? Go ahead. Now, this time I got one for you on a silver platter. man named Joe Mary was killed in his office this afternoon. This afternoon, mind you. He was shot. There was a gun lying next to his body. We traced the gun, found its owner, and I'm holding her. Name is Francis Adams. How's that? Sounds like good work, Chief. Just a moment. Yes? Mr. Philo Vance is here, Mr. Markham. Vance? Well, show him in, by all means. Oh, so your friend is here, eh, D.A.? Well, I'm glad. He'll find out that the police don't need him on every case. Hello, Markham, and Sergeant Heath. Hi, Hi Vance. Vance. How have you been, Heath? Or haven't you made up your mind yet? I feel fine, Mr. Vance. Wonderful, in fact, and you? You'll have to forgive the sergeant today, Vance. He feels rather good. He's wrapped up a murder case by himself. Really? What one is that? The Joe Mary murder. Girl named Frances Adams shot him. Is that so? Well, I came up here to tell Markham that a girl named Alice Barkley came to my office a little while ago, and she was under the impression that she killed Joe Mary. Huh? Had the gun she did it with, too. Here it is. Well, Sergeant Heath, this rather complicates things, doesn't it? Anytime your friend Vance arrives, there's complications, D.A. My advice is... We'll have to wait for your advice, Sergeant. Hello? Yes? Yes. Yes, of course. Would you bring her right down, please? Thank you. I'll be here. Goodbye. Now, I was saying that my advice... We're going to still have to wait for that, Sergeant. You see, you've arrested a girl for killing Joe Mary. Vance here has a young lady who says she killed him. And that phone call was from a man named Anderson. He says his wife shot and killed Mary, and he's bringing her down here right away. How long does it take that medical examiner to check a body, Sergeant Heath? He's been working on Joe Mary's body for an hour. Our friend the sergeant doesn't seem to be in a hurry, Markham. Sure, I'm in a hurry, Vance. Why shouldn't I be in a hurry? When the doc tells us what bullet killed Mary, I'll know which of the three guns I have fired that bullet. I'll know whose gun it is, and I'll know which one of the three girls killed him. Hmm. I guess Sergeant Heath has something there, Vance. Maybe. But I don't think it'll be quite as simple as that. Well, here comes the doctor. We'll know in a second. Hey, Doc. What kind of a bullet was it that knocked off Mary? How do you do, gentlemen? How do you do, gentlemen? How do you do, gentlemen? Doc, we're in a hurry. What kind of a bullet did you find in Mary? Oh, patience, Sergeant. Patience is a virtue. All right, so I'm not virtuous. What did you find? We want to know which one of three different gals to hold for this murder. I'm afraid I won't be able to tell you that, Sergeant. Here were three bullets. Three bullets? Uh, yes, three bullets in Mr. Mary's heart. Three bullets from three different guns, I'd say. Huh? I beg your pardon? The sergeant said, huh. That means he's bewildered. Yes, and he isn't the only one who is. Bewildered? Oh, I'm supposed to be bewildered, huh? Well, I'm not. 
All right, so there were three different bullets fired into our friend, Mr. Mary. Doc, which one was fired first? Whoever fired that shot is the murderer. That's probably correct, Sergeant. Only the three bullets were fired within a very short time of each other. I'm afraid there's no way I or anyone else could tell which one was fired first. Oh, no, it can't be. I'm inclined to think it can. I had a feeling this wouldn't be so simple. Sergeant... May I make a suggestion? Somebody better suggest something. We have three suspects and three guns. I think the first thing we ought to do is find out if those three guns fired the bullets that the doctor found in Joe Mary's body. Which way to the ballistics department, Sergeant? Well, you have quite a good eye, Sergeant. You hit the bale of cotton without any trouble. I got trouble, all right, but it's not because of the way I shoot. Okay, Daniels, get that bullet out and check it with the third one we took out of Joe Mary's body. Right. Well, Vance, what do you think we'll find? The same thing we found in the case of the other two guns we checked. That each fired one bullet into Mary. You know something? I wouldn't mind that. Look, this Barclay gal who came to see you, we know her gun fired one of the bullets. Right, D.A.? Yes, that's correct. All right. The Anderson gal, whose husband phoned us. We know her gun fired one of them. The Adams woman that I picked up. This is her gun we just tested now. Why, this case is a snap. All three of them were in on it. They're all murderers. I doubt that, Heath. In fact, even if it were right, you could never put all three of them on trial. No, why not? Vance is right, Heath. Only one of those women is a murderer. The first one that fired the first bullet into Mary. She killed him. Supposing the other two did fire their guns into his body. If he were already dead, what crime did they commit? See what I meant, Heath? Yeah, we don't know and can never find out which was the first bullet that killed him. Of course, we've got to hold all three of those women. We've got to. Vance, do me a favor. Say that you're a little confused by all of this, too. All right, Heath, if it'll give you any satisfaction, I'm confused. Okay, you solved the Canary murder case and the Green murder case and only last week the Eagle murder case. The DA keeps reminding me that I didn't, but you did. Well, I'd like to see you solve this one. I'd be glad to wind up this case for you, Sergeant. Very glad. And I'd gladly close it for you if... Winston knew where to start. This is District Attorney Markham. The Mary murder case has everyone concerned, including Philo Vance, completely baffled. Joe Mary was murdered. Three bullets were found in his heart, bullets belonging to guns owned by Alice Barclay, Joan Anderson, and Francis Adams. All admit they brought those guns to Mary's lecture, but can't tell why. At Vance's request, all three women were brought into a detention room at headquarters, and I understand Vance is on his way to... Somebody say something. It's no good for the three of us to just sit here and stare at each other. What is there to say, Alice? We don't know where to begin. Francis, the police are going to find out that you were once married to Joe Mary. Why don't you tell them? And make myself their number one suspect. You can't mean that, Joan. And while we're on the subject, you and Alice ran around with him at college, didn't you? Why don't you tell the police that? Don't try to make it look like we killed him, Francis. Don't you do it. I warn you, I may know more about this than I'm saying. That sounds like a threat. Well, does it? How does this sound? I think you killed Joe Mary. You even intimate that again and you'll be the sorriest girl alive. Joan, 
Joan, are we going to stand here and Now, this look, Alice. Uh, she killed Joan. She killed him. And she's afraid we know how she did it. Now, look, darling. She shot him. I know she did. Don't cry, Keep Alice. that screaming <laughs> idiot quiet, Joan. Oh, Keep her quiet. Ladies, oh. please. What do you want here, Mr. Vance? Well, first I want to tell you that I couldn't help overhearing what the three of you just said. Very interesting. But, ladies, I have good news for you. You're all free to go home. Oh, how wonderful. Only, of course, you're not to leave town. Not to leave. And Mrs. Anderson. Yes? I'd like to see you in my office the first thing in the morning. I'd prefer it, Joan, if you'd get out of here and let me finish packing. You can't leave me now, darling. You just can't. Oh, no? Just you wait and see. I'm not going to be known as the husband of the girl who murdered Joe Mary, believe me. Ex-husband, maybe, but not husband. Get out of the way, please. Oh, answer that, will you? I'm having trouble enough trying to close this bag. All right. Hello? Mrs. Anderson? Yes? This is Philo Vance. Oh, why weren't you down at my office this morning as I asked you to be? I'm sorry, I can't talk to you now. You've got to. I just found out that the police know you ran around with Joe Mary at college and that he walked out on you. Please, Mr. Vance, I... let me alone. I can't explain anything to you. Goodbye, Mr. Vance, I'm going to hang up. And if you or the police think that I killed Joe Mary, well, well, it doesn't matter very much now, anyhow. <laughs> Yes, yes, come in. Come in. Don't keep knocking like an infernal idiot. Good afternoon, Professor Colby. Remember me? Huh? Oh, certainly I remember you. One of my worst students got one of my highest marks. Never forgiven you for it. What's your name? Vance, Professor. Philo Vance. Yes, yes, Vance, Vance. Well, Vance, what is it? Professor Colby, can a person be hypnotized into committing murder? If you'd paid any attention in your classes, you'd know that nobody can be hypnotized into doing anything that's against his moral code. Goodbye, mister. Uh, what did you say your name was? Vance. Yes, Vance. Tell me this, Professor. Post-hypnosis is a suggestion given to a hypnotized person which must be carried out after he is awakened from hypnosis. Correct? Yes, yes, of course, that's correct. The person receiving a post-hypnotic suggestion would have no idea why he was doing something, but he'd know he'd have to do it. Right? Any child knows that. Children don't take courses in applied psychology. May I use your phone? Well, there's a pay station outside. Oh, this will do very nicely, thank you. I've got to talk to the district attorney and ask him to have three suspects in a murder case brought to my office this evening. And then, Professor Colby, I have a favor to ask of you. A favor I don't think you can well refuse. <laughs> Barclay, Mrs. Anderson, and Miss Adams. Yes. yes. Let me start by saying I'm glad you were willing to come to my office. Oh, not at all. I appreciate that. Well, Vance, I got them here. Where's this great experiment you promised? Please, Markham. Ladies, I'm going to attempt an experiment in mass hypnosis. Does any of the three of you object to being hypnotized? Well, I, I don't. don't object. No, no. I, I don't, don't either. You know as well as I that if you fight against it, you couldn't possibly be hypnotized. So thanks again for your cooperation. Now I'd like to present one of our eminent authorities on hypnotism, Professor Colby. How do you do, Professor, Professor? Colby? Uh, well, turn out all the lights except this one on the desk, please, Vance. Uh, you do it, William Markham. You're nearer to it. Well, somebody do it. I haven't got all night, you know. Very well. Uh, yeah. Good. Now, ladies, 
I want you all to sit back in your chairs. Please make yourselves comfortable and think of nothing at all. And if you feel yourselves getting drowsy, close your eyes and sleep. Sleep. There they are, the three of them, hypnotized. The conscious mind dormant. You won't need me any longer. No, I know what to do from here on in. Thank you, Professor. I'll be sure you do it. Fine thing bothering me at this time of the night. Good night, Mr. Barnes. Mr. Markham. Good night. Good night, Professor. Hmm. He certainly is a strange sort of gentleman, isn't he, Vance? Professor Colby is wonderful. You know, it's his theory and mine that under hypnosis, if hypnotism was used once before... The subconscious mind will recall what was done at that time. I have one of my secretary's hat pins in my hand, Markham. Observe closely. I'm going to touch Miss Adams' hand with it. There. What's up, Vance? Don't be alarmed, Markham. I assure you she didn't feel it. Now for the experiment. Remember, Markham, they're completely under hypnosis. They couldn't lie if they wanted to. Remember that. Miss Adams, I want you to take this gun... And shoot it like you shot Joe Mary. She's doing nothing, Vance, just holding it. I know. I'll take back that gun, Miss Adams. Thank you. Now, Mrs. Anderson, please take this gun. Thank you. Now what, Vance? Hand me that hat pin, Markham, please. There you are. Thanks. I'll just touch Mrs. Anderson's hand with the point. There. That's fine. No reaction, Markham. Now, Mrs. Anderson, I want you to fire that gun the way you fired it at Joe Mary. Now. Fine experiment, Vance. She hasn't moved a muscle either. One more subject, Markham. Give me back the gun, Mrs. Anderson. Thank you. Now, Miss Barkley. First, the hat pin test. No reaction, Markham. Now, take this gun, Miss Barkley... And fire it just as you did at Joe Mary. Now. Vance, this is ridiculous. She's doing absolutely nothing. I know. But believe me, that isn't all I know. I know who killed Joe Mary. Can't you tell, Markham? Miss Barkley. Yes? You've got to help me. I know you were hypnotized the day Joe Mary was murdered. I know who hypnotized you. The real murderer gave herself away in my office a little while ago. But I can't prove anything without your help. In the interest of society and to help trap a clever murderer, Miss Barkley, will you please? Will I be in danger, Mr. Markham? Mr. Vance and I will try to see that the danger is as slight as possible. Very well, gentlemen. I'll do it. Oh, it's you, Alice. Come in. Sit down. Thank you. Tea? Yes, please. Francis, uh, we're quite alone, aren't we? Why, yes, of course. Why? Uh, Cream? Yes, please. I just wanted to tell you that as long as the police have apparently given up on us, you and I ought to have an understanding... Really? What sort of an understanding? Uh, sugar? Yes, two, thank you. 
Well, for one thing, when you hypnotized Joan and me several weeks ago and gave us a post-hypnotic suggestion to bring guns to Joe Mary's lecture, I wasn't hypnotized. I don't know what you mean. Is the tea strong enough? Yes, quite. I saw you shoot Joe Mary with your own gun. Then with mine. And then with Joan. You're dreaming, child. Oh, no, I'm very much awake. I let you go through with your plans because, you see, I could use some money. Oh, that's too bad. But you won't need money very shortly. You'll never leave here alive. (gasps) You were clever enough to figure out what I had done. Very well. But if you think that you can blackmail me, you're mistaken. I'll kill you with my hands. It'll make no noise. You'll never feel anything. Just my hands on your neck like this. A little while. No pain. No knowledge. No fear. Miss Adam, take your hands off Miss Barclay. Arrest her, Markham. All right, Vance. She's all yours. Yours and the state's. Miss Deering, inasmuch as you are employed by me, would it be too much to ask you why you're not working? I'm only hired between the hours of 9 and 5, Aunt. It's 5.30 now. How about breaking down and telling me how you solved the Mary murder case? All right. To begin with, when Professor Colby hypnotized the three ladies... Only two of them were really hypnotized. Oh. The actual murderer, Frances Adams, fought against it, knowing her subconscious mind, which she could not control, might reveal something to us. Mm-hmm. That was the whole purpose of the experiment, to find which girl would be afraid to be hypnotized. But how did you know Miss Adams was faking? Your hat pin told me. Well, how do you like that? I've been using it for months, and I never knew it could open its mouth. I touched the point of it to all three of the ladies. One of them, Frances Adams, jumped a little. That was enough to prove she wasn't hypnotized and indicated she was the murderer, but didn't prove it. So we framed a little scene between her and Alice Barkley, and we got our proof. Well, and why did Miss Adams become a murderer? She'd once been married to Joe Mary. When he left town with his divorce, he also stole most of her jewelry and ready cash. And there you are. Oh, really? Where am I? With me, Ellen. Right at the end of the Mary murder case. Welcome back. I am not 
uh, 100% on IDing voices, particularly when it comes to New York-based programs, but I could swear that the actor who uh, played Mr. Mary uh, was Raymond Edward Johnson. And I recognize Raymond Edward Johnson from The Crime Club, where he plays the librarian who answers the phone. And I, I think that what made it so interesting is that the way he was being killed sound a, did a lot like that uh, cl closing to the episode. So that was a bit ironic. He wouldn't start doing The Crime Club until December of 1946. So it's only, I guess, retroactively ironic. Let's go ahead and take a listen to this clip from the end of the crime club. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. Good. We have the very intriguing story of a decision that almost cost a man's life. It's called Sentence of Death. In the meantime, well, in the meantime, there's a new Crime Club book available this week and every week at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Fine. And we look for you next week. Well, uh, what do you think? Was I off uh, in my identification of Raymond Edward Johnson? It sounded the same to me. As I said, seen in today's episode really reminded me of that closing. I won't comment too much on the hypnosis angle, which plays such a big part in the solution, uh, because it almost feels a little bit like uh, magic, where I'm not entirely sure the rules that Philo Vance are is stating is based on actual theory. I seem to have remembered hearing things that contradict it, but you're not dealing with something that's hard science. So as a listener, you kind of just have to say, unless you're an expert and you know for sure what he's saying is right or wrong, just gotta say, yeah, okay, I guess I'll go ahead and go along with this and give you benefit of the doubt that what you're saying is true. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and I have a comment from Saysoff, who writes, I love it when you talk smack about Mr. Keene, because I feel the same way. You mentioned that Mr. Keene was the longest-running detective show in radio history, which I find pretty amazing. I mean, I'm just wondering how it even lasted for one season. Well, thanks so much, Saysoff. Well, I do have some fun with Mr. Keene uh, when I have the opportunity, but I don't want to be too harsh on it. I mean, particularly in the 21st century, where we have some shows that have been very popular that by most people's standards are not very high quality at all. And I would probably choose to listen to a six-hour Mr. Keene marathon over some of those programs. But it is hard for, I think, me to gr uh, wrap my mind around how it remained on the air. Not only remained on the air, but was uh, popular. It not only lasted 17 seasons, it wasn't one of those series that just kind of you know, lagged along for its run, it was often the most popular program on its network. That is really hard to grasp. Uh, I think that you'd almost have to talk to someone who 
listen to the program religiously, remembers it, and can explain what they liked about it. The audience was really targeted towards homemakers in the late 30s into the 50s. So not many people around who uh, would fit that description. Most people today like it, kind of like it for the unintentional comedy and just the outlandish characters and the melodrama. And that's not really, I think, what would have driven the original listeners. If I were to speculate what it was... I'd suggest that it was easier to follow than a lot of other programs. And that's not to say that if you were a homemaker, you weren't in uh, intelligent. But the fact is that if you are caring for the home, you know, it's the old saying, a mother's work is never done. So mom is not going to be able to plop down and just take half an hour off to listen to a program in prime time and be able to rely on that happening. In the middle of the program, you're going to have kids or you're going to have a husband or you're going to have somebody else who lives with you pester you for a couple minutes about something. And this was before you had pause and rewind capabilities. So it might be that with Mr. Keen, it was a program where mom could listen to the show for a few minutes. She could get dragged away for something else and come back and still be able to have the characters kept straight since the names were mentioned again and you were reminded of everybody's relationship to everybody else constantly. That's at least my theory, is that it uh, played to that particular time and the household dynamics of the era. I could be totally wrong. This is just something I thought of uh, as I pondered the question of how Mr. Keene remained so popular for so long. That is my best guess. Other than that, if you, you know, know someone who was 95 or 100, you could ask if they m listened to or remembered Mr. Keene. And if they liked them, let me know why they liked them. Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that there's not a reason. And I would love to just understand why they enjoyed it. It may not... Uh, change how I listen to the program or how I enjoy it, it would be really neat insight to have. Although regardless, it won't stop me from poking fun at it every now and again. Then we have this comment from Eric, writes, regarding the gossip column murder case from Mr. Keen, I just finished a non-episode podcast about Hedda Hopper and Luella Parsons. Knowing about the gossip game, how hated and feared those two were, at about the time this episode was on the air, it gave me a bit of added enjoyment. This wasn't exactly a biting satire, but I definitely saw shades of both in Terry Bradford. Thanks so much for the insight, Eric. And it was definitely true. The gossip columnist had a lot of power. And uh, you saw that even in the way that some actors use the gossip columnist. I, I was doing some research on the silent men and, I came across an article by, I think it was Luella Parsons, uh, that really puffed up Douglas Fairbanks Jr.'s uh, international trip that he was uh, taking. And, you know, it just blew it up to, you'd think it was the biggest thing ever, but we now, you know, living in the 21st century, we know what happened on that trip. 
and it was just the most amazing bit of puffery. So if you were in Hollywood, the gossip, or New York uh, for that matter, the gossip columnist could be either a great resource or a very dangerous enemy. Well, now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And thank you to Monica, Patreon supporter since March 2019, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. We will be back next Thursday with another episode of Philo Vance. But coming up tomorrow, we're going to feature an episode of The Man with the Action-Packed Expense Account, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Have you any hope of recovery from the effects of these injuries? Him. No. Listen, I... Shut up, Bernie, and listen. Me. Who caused the injuries from which you are suffering? Him. One of the robbers. Me. Is this a picture of one of the men who caused your injuries? Him? Yes. He was looking at a mugshot of you, Bernie. There were four witnesses in that hospital room when Fuller made this statement. It's a positive identification on you. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.